Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to Just Minding My Business Radio, where we are moving at the speed of God, learning what we didn't know we didn't know. I'm your host, Ida Crawford. And I'm your co-host, Ruth Haskins. So grab a pen and paper and get ready for information that you can use. Broaden the scope of exposure for your business by going beyond the interview. Learn more at www.jmmbmediallc.com or email us at jmmbradio at gmail.com. I love that this morning's sunrise does not define itself by last night's sunset. Steve Maraboli. America's recent stance on reproductive health is not a shock to Patrice D'Amato. In her 38 years as a healthcare professional, she has seen the country ricochet between reproductive freedom and restrictions more than once. However, she knows that behind all the heated, impersonal rhetoric sit real women with incredible stories. She wrote her new book, The View from the Clinic, in order to humanize the act of abortion from the eyes and heart of a clinic nurse. Welcome, Patrice. Thank you. Yes, welcome, welcome. So let me ask you, what made you write this book? Well, I always tell people um, I did not want to write this book. It was, uh, there was a higher calling and they said, oh, you're going to write this book. And uh, I said, oh, can I write about something else? And they said, nope. This is the book. It started really, uh, you know, during the Me Too movement, actually. And I was listening to the radio and I heard these politicians talking about how we should tax women's sanitary products because there's they're not essential because women can just hold it and go to the bathroom, wipe it off and go. Why should we why shouldn't we tax those products? I just I just stopped. I mean, you hear all kinds of crazy stuff. You do. And, and I was hearing it at that time. And I had walked away from women's health um, like 20 years before uh, to go back to the university and teach. But I had worked in, in women's health in the abortion clinics and all. And I, you know, I had to leave at that point in time for it just it wasn't time for people to understand and hear what I had to say. But 20 years later, 20, 25 years later, I'm listening to this married politician, you know, acting like an authority, deciding that we don't need, this is a luxury item, is to have sanitary products for women. And I thought, all right, you clearly you don't know what goes on in the bathroom, your own bathroom, (laughs) right? Like, and I, I just, I realized, I said, you know what? I'm done. Nurses have to start talking. We have to be articulate. We have to be smart and we have to reach people where they live so that they'll listen to us. So I thought, well, what, okay, so what arena of nursing 
would really grab people's attention and make them listen to what we have to say. And, um, you know, I, I've worked in a variety of fields. And as I say in the beginning of the book, you know, abortion care isn't that complicated. It's pretty straightforward. It's fairly, very routine. I mean, certainly things happen once in a while, but it's not nearly as dramatic as working in the neurosurgical ICU where I worked, where we were like drilling into people's brains while they're playing the piano and those kinds of things. So I thought, all right, well, I have experience in abortion care and boy, will that really get people going? And once again, I kind of asked my higher powers, I was like, please, not this, right? And they said, no, this, this is what you have to write about this. And not knowing, not knowing that when I finally finished all of the editing and that it was ready to go to uh, you know, be published, Roe versus Wade would be overturned. I didn't really think about that when I started writing a few years before, but then it all came together. And I realized I'm very, very scared about doing this and using my voice this way in a way where I thought, oh, I, I mean, I could be stalked for, you know, showing my face. But I, I knew that, you know, this, the time had come. And sure enough, the two weeks before, they said, Patrice, can't we rush this a little more? And I said, no. And actually, I really want it to settle down a little. I want everybody to settle down a little bit and get over the shock of what the Supreme Court just did, because I think people need to be in a situated place in their hearts and their minds to be able to listen to what I'm saying, to listen to the message. I was moving. <laughs> that was absolutely moving humanizing abortion. So that's a little bit that's in your book. Can, can we talk a little bit about that? I wrote this. I'm not a public health expert. I'm not a politician. I don't know all the ins and outs of all the laws and all the states and all the legal issues around this. And so I wrote this book for women for, and men and anybody who's been touched by abortion. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, from the university said, oh, I have somebody really high level. I'll have them read your book and maybe they can endorse it for you. They, you know, sit on many national and international councils, very important person, social policy expert. And this person started reading and then told my friend halfway through, they put the book down and said, I can't read this. It's like a girlfriend's guide to abortion. And I said, good, that's what I want. I want to talk about this as if it was your friend or my friend or the lady we saw at the soccer field last week, because I, you know, living in a, you know, suburban area, I'm telling you, there are people that didn't like seeing my face when I walked in. There were people I knew, you know, other moms, most women who have abortions are already moms. And that's a big reason they can't, you know, they just can't swing having that third, fourth, fifth, seventh child. And so I just, my goal is really to make this as normal to be able to talk about as if, you know, you run into some, an acquaintance, a church friend or something at the grocery store. And you know how you say, oh, I heard your mom pass. How are you doing? Or, oh, I heard you had knee surgery. How are you? Wouldn't it be a great world if you could say, oh, I heard you, you know, lost a pregnancy. How, how are you doing? We don't do that. We don't do that even if it wasn't elective, right? We surely don't. We surely don't. It's like we, we began to look at that person some kind of way. Exactly. Where, where our beliefs lie. 
Right. And it's not even like it, it can be a judgment, but it's also just um, I think it's shame and embarrassment. You know, I was talking to somebody else and they said, yeah, women don't talk about, you know, that's not like something you would say at a cocktail party. Oh, how's that ovarian cyst doing? Whereas we have no problem saying, oh, well, my cardiologist said my heart's good, but we can't talk about women's reproductive issues. Oh. Maybe you might be able to say, oh, you know, I, I'm going to have a hysterectomy, but like it's not. It's really not proper, is it? And it, it should be. There's a ban against women's reproductive abilities. It has never been honored. And today it's still not honored. <laughs> and so it's a hidden thing. I mean, I've been shocked myself. The fact that they show advertisements for, you know, menstrual products you know it was like that was like something you just simply did not talk about never mind put on the air you know, <laughs> right. on television, you know. right even bras remember the jane russell bra like she had oh, to have it yes. over her clothes <laughs> right right it's, and panties like, and, and all of this stuff pull up right. you know depends nanny's showing all that stuff we are still i think um, women are still a mystery to men and therefore, they tend to come up with, well, it was a man who did, came up with the bra, <laughs> the idea of a bra for some reason. Bras and girdles, those horrible whalebone things. <laughs> because of what they wanted to see, not what was good for women. It's, it's the same thing, you know, and it's not, for me, when we talk about this topic, it's not, I really commend you for your courage. Yes. Because this topic takes courage to talk about either side of the fence and also when you go to that place and which is where I come from it's about the healing of it the fact that women have sometimes kept this secret and taken it to the grave their husbands don't know their children don't know their brothers and sisters never knew and it is a heart burden that yes changes their life they learn how to hide in plain sight yeah, that is what I see has happened from the whole situation. Women have learned to hide in plain sight, and sometimes they've hidden their entire life, never fully being themselves. Why? Because they're afraid somebody might know, somebody might remember, and I'll be exposed. So please continue talking about this very important topic. Yes, yes, and and like Ruth said. It takes courage, and we commend you for the courage that you took, because these are topics that are not talked about. They fought, they fight about it. That's pretty much all I see, but they don't really talk about it from the from the human side. It's right. People fight about it, but it's not doing anything about the root situation that women have the right to give birth in a situation where they don't have to worry about whether they can afford a child or not, or whether what all this other stuff, right. that privilege of birth is a woman's right. That's the right. And we've made it so difficult. You know, I grow, you can tell by this, I grew up in the age where you did not get pregnant outside of marriage. If you did, your life was ruined. Yes. Which is where, where, where all that impetus and, and fervor came for the abortion movement. Yeah. Our attitude was different. Oh, well, you shouldn't have done that. 
Right. <laughs> and you're having the baby. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Now let's just come together as community and find out how we can help you. But that's not it. No. And that just brings us to the generation before Rook. Because yes, I'd love what, to talk about that. That's what Ruth is going at. You know, it was like a taboo for no. a girl to get yeah. pregnant without being married. Well, it's interesting because I did I didn't start writing about I added this chapter later, but put it in the beginning because I needed to talk about my mother, who was a nurse in the 19. Well, she was a student nurse in the 1950s. Now, you couldn't get married and you couldn't work after you were married and had children as a professional nurse unless you did private duty. So I have a whole chapter about that, but really that was the other impetus that once I started writing, writing I realized, because my mom was not happy when I decided to go work in an abortion clinic. You know, she was a mom of the 60s. She said, you know, there's a lot nicer jobs you can do, which I have done. I mean, I, I worked in the hospital and, and did a lot of things. Um, and then when I told her I wanted to do this, she was horrified. But I said, mom, it's your stories. Do you really, do you remember we sat around the kitchen table in the 1960s and you told us the story of the woman, you know, abortion was illegal when my mother worked in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So she remembered that time and she talked about it with such passion and conviction. And she had a case that I do outline in the book in pretty, you know, poignant detail because it meant it affected my mother so much as well, but it was a woman who was raped. She was a married woman. She was there <clears throat> giving birth and they didn't know, you know, who the father of this, the, whether it was the father, you know, the husband or the rapist, you know, where she was having this child. And so, but she had to carry, she was forced to carry this pregnancy because abortion was illegal. Mm -hmm. And so she carried the pregnancy and, and the baby was born and it was pretty clear that it was from the rape, not from her husband. Her husband promptly left her. I, I think she screamed and cried and just wanted to, you know, say, get it out of here. I don't want to see it. And here's this beautiful baby. You know, I talk about it being a little beautiful mocha skin Aww. baby, you know? And so I think those stories, they're, gonna come back yeah. you know we have like 15 states now where you know abortion's essentially illegal uh, you know once for a lot of women they don't know they're pregnant until they're six seven eight weeks pregnant at that yeah. so i think we're starting we're going to see a whole new generation of abandoned children like you said ruth it's not this isn't pro-birth i mean pro-life this is just pro-birth this is not about the life of anybody once this baby's born, if you're not willing to take care yeah. of them and the mother that needs to support them. So it's, it's tough times. Yes, and, it know, is. It is. Talk about, that is such a common situation. And the alternative was what they used to call back alley. Yes. And coke hanger abortions. Yes. Wow. How do we remedy? Okay, let's, there's so many things we could talk about. We're going to have to come back so we can continue yes, this conversation. definitely going to have to come it, back. I will be happy to come back. Um, again, this child, this woman had a, a child born out of rape. She didn't want the child. And it had torn up her marriage. 
Mm. Uh, how many times has that scenario happened? <laughs> I mean, we don't even want to try to count that. But again, it's a life. It's a baby. Is there somewhere within our system of things that we can learn to love regardless? Yeah. And yeah. where does that play in? Where does that play in, Patrice, as you watched it play out in abortion clinics and in hospitals and whatnot? Where, where does love come into this situation? Right. That's why I really wanted this book out. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking to grow a brand. I'm not looking to grow, you know, I want this message to come out. I want, because I ended up going up really deep into that question. It is about love yeah. in the end. And can we honor ourselves? Can we honor the lives that weren't allowed to be for a variety of reasons and can we can we learn to forgive ourselves other women other people for the choices that they've had to make so that we can heal we need to be able to heal yes. and mourn because there is a, a component of mourning whether you chose to terminate a pregnancy or whether um you know it just happened like a spontaneous uh, miscarriage abortion is either spontaneous or elective. Just so, just to be clear, it's the same process, whether, you know, who decided for it to happen is, you know, that's, that's the only difference. So, but how could we make it so that if a woman, it's not easy, no one wants to make this choice. They just, they don't. There is no one enjoying making the choice to have an abortion. I can just tell you. I mean, there are people who it's very commonplace and culturally, um, it's part of maybe the ethos of, of the people around them. But by and large, women don't want to make this choice. No, and, you know, you can say a lot of people are very judgmental in saying, well, I don't believe in abortion, but it shouldn't be used for contraception. And that just makes my blood boil because I'm sorry, but I look at these charts every day, hundreds of women, and 98% of them have tried some kind of birth control that has failed them or they ran out of money. You know, it's all well and good to go, you know, to the clinic and get a couple, three months worth of pills, but at 60, whatever dollars a month, you got to make a decision. Are you going to buy your pills or are you going to feed your kids? And then, you know, to put a sense of stigma and shame on the woman who had to make that decision and then have her be like that woman that you talked about who has to take this secret to the grave um, to save face for who? Herself, her family wherever she is to put that on top is just it's just inhumane and I do see that you know women a lot of not the 80 percent of women who've had an abortion their number one um thing that they report is relief so actually the the guilt thing <laughs> I mean it may be a secret but it's not always about guilt I think very religious women um conservative religious women do struggle because they're often the ones who were, you know, the first one to blame somebody and then it happens to them and they have to make that and they, they choose to have an abortion. Women don't do well, you know, psychologically, obviously, right? Like it was so traumatic and they, you know, it goes against their will. And I do have that in the book as well. You know, I've had some really religious women say, you know, you're going to, you're all going to go to hell for what you're doing here. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're sitting here as a patient. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. And I usually just say, but listen, I usually just say, you know, pray for us, 
pray for us, pray for yourself. I think we can all use, uh, you know, prayer and forgiveness for everything that, you know, we're doing. I personally don't feel that I'm doing the wrong thing in helping women get where they feel they need to go. But if, you know, but seriously, like the protesters out front, you know, carrying on and waving baby doll le- limbs and screaming at you and spitting on you, you know, that's a fun way to go to work. But I usually, if they like try to engage, I, they're like, oh, I will pray, pray for your soul. And I usually say, thank you. Thank you. And I'm happy if you're, if you are praying in sincerity for my soul and the soul of everybody around you, then that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Absolutely. And I think that it's interesting that you bring that up because again, you said something that's very important, forgiveness. And though it may not be, um, like you said, at first it may be relief. Whew. Okay. Dodge that bullet. Okay, I can get my go on with my life. I can take care of my, the children that I have. And it, it's not guilt. It's relief. But there's also a need for forgiveness. At some point, I think for every woman who's had an abortion, if she was going to pray for anything, it's for forgiveness. Yes. Because that life, no matter what, no matter who, what, where, when, or how, Knowing that you're pregnant, even on the way to the clinic, there's a part of you that wants to hold on to that. Yeah. There's something wonderful. You know something wonderful is happening. In fact, most women, when they find when they're pregnant, unless something really horrific is going on in their life, there's a sort of joy. They kind of know they're pregnant because they're, they, they get a kind of joy. And that's why it's so hard for them to let go. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's not your experience. Oh. Not everybody feels that way. I will tell you that a lot of women oh, are really? just, oh, horrified, horrified that this could be. But I think what, what I, what you're touching on is there's, it, there is, there's going to be grief mm-hmm. and you need, there will be some grief. And I don't think in the healthcare professions, in the professional world, we really pay attention to that. Because what I'm hearing you say is like, but there is that part of you where there is some joy and there is some excitement at at the potential for having a new life blossoming in your body. Now, not a lot, not all women feel that way. Some women just, and sometimes it's based on the, you know, the way they got pregnant. Right. right, the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Right, the circumstances. But I do think that one one thing we have to do, and we need to be able to, and and anybody could, we could all come together around this to honor what could have been, to honor that with some uh, with with grief rituals, right? Be able to heal. Um, it's it's a it's a loss, no matter what it's a loss. It wasn't, you didn't ask it to be here, but it is a loss when it's gone. And we don't take a lot of time. And and I think um, that could be a place where people on both sides of the political fence might be able to come together. Because I think that a lot of the people who are super, super pro-life and very anti-abortion, deep down, I think there's a fair amount of misogyny that we talked about, for sure, you know, and suppression of women and their rights. But the other part of it, and I do try to talk about that in the book, I talk a lot about men. I have a lot of male characters and, you know, peripheral people because it affects, you know, a lot of people and men don't have any power in this situation. 
um, they have to honor a woman's body and her choices. And I, and I will tell you that the vast majority of the protesters outside without, a, without fail are older white men. They just are. They're always old white men. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always there. And I, and I, so I really went deep in one chapter, an early chapter to try to get to, you know, we had one chat, one guy that I got to know he was there every day for years. He was there every day. And I mean, not like I ever chatted with him, but we sort of had an understanding and it, it's, it's an interesting little story unto itself, but like to really go into his place of pain, why was he there? Why was this painful for him? What does it have to do with him? And I was able to come to, you know, to some ideas about that, which I did talk about. So I think that's where we have to start. It's kind of, and the other thing is, it's kind of like a holy war. I call it the holy war of the womb. <laughs> we don't get to go out and fight holy wars anymore. And there are a lot of people on both sides who feel like they are, the higher power is telling them, no, you must go out and fight for women's rights, or no, you must go out and fight for fetus rights. And they're just so entrenched in being warriors um, and, and you need warriors, but you also, like at some point, this war has been going on ever since I've been in nursing 40 years now. So like, where do we, we've kind of got to move, move forward a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit like true. the war on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How did that work out? We just keep finding new and wonderful drugs to kill us with, you know, it's right. Yeah. So how do people get the book? Oh, so you can order it. I actually, um, so it's or available on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I, it's a paperback book. It's also an ebook. And I went this, I'm a new author. I'm a nurse, you know, but I found out I'm actually a really pretty good writer and I do have acting backgrounds. So I did um, an audible book and I self-narrated it. Oh, wow. So that was a whole new experience for me, 11 hours of talking in a recording studio. But I think it really brought my voice through. So you'll hear me telling my own story. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that. Yes, proud of you as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. That's on and Audible. Your, and your passion just comes through. So I'm just, oh yeah, I know yeah. it's going to, uh, definitely come through on your audible so congratulations on that wow thank you that was yeah that's yeah. on audible yes okay yes wow i think this is a wonderful conversation and i love the fact that you know you are not being political you're not being religious you're not waving flags and jumping up and down <laughs> you know <I'm> too tired <laughs> how about that and, and yet you have brought to people something to think about in a different way. You see them as humans making an impossible decision. And that's what nurses do, you know, and in the book too, I talk about, I have prisoners coming in in handcuffs, you know, that I have to take care of as well, or, you know, somebody that I know killed somebody. It's part of the service of of what I do, of what nurses do. Yeah. I, I really do say this is a love letter to nurses as well, because, you know, we're called to take care of people in, without judgment. Right. We're, we're here to serve. It's not my business to preach to you, um, you know, any, any which way. I don't know your life. I'm not you. I can't possibly do that. Yeah. And being able to tell the stories and being a writer has 
allowed me to really go a little bit deeper into the stories that I want to share and to be able to shape it and frame it and make it actually entertaining and fun and funny sometimes and poignant and all of it, you know, so being able to write this um, in a way, and it was healing for me as well, you know, to bring those stories home. It gets pretty spiritual at the end of the book, um, you know, in my own way of making sense of the experience of being alive and of, you know, and of something like abortion, you know. Uh, again, we love your carriage. Thank you. And I, and the way that you present it, it's just human, the human side of it, which nobody talks about. Right. Nobody talks about the human side. So I, I definitely um, commend you for stepping out and being obedient to what your higher power has instructed you to do. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we none of us are saints. We've all done something that we're not proud of. It's just a part of being human. Yeah. It's just a part of being human. Well, Patrice, we gotta do this again. It sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because this was definitely moving. Mm -hmm. I didn't know when I uh, saw your bio and everything, I didn't know how this was gonna turn out, but it turned out absolutely beautiful. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no blame, there's no shame. It's just human. The choices we have to make as women. So thank you so much for that, for sure. And we are looking forward to more. You're definitely coming back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Patrice. Thank you so You're much. You're so welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Just Minding My Business Radio. I'm your host, Ida Crawford. And I'm your co-host, Ruth Hackson. We hope you enjoyed the show and appreciate you stopping by. Many blessings to you and yours. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.